So maybe uh, maybe we'll say something interesting. <laughs> listen, it's literally a podcast. I hope we say something interesting. Like this, this is one little, thing. Yeah. Maybe two. Welcome back to episode two, just another sex podcast. I can't believe it's episode two already. Wait until it gets like episode the double digits. Like if we do double digits, that'll be really exciting. Uh, I know. It feels like just last week we recorded episode one. Kate, I'm gonna <laughs> burst your bubble here. It was last week, and we posted. We are we are officially live with the first one. That's so exciting. I was really had- upset that you were sleeping instead of responding immediately to my text messages. You know, I apologize on that. Um, <laughs> I was. <laughs> it's a damn shame that whole having bronchitis. Spoiler alert, everybody, all three of our four listeners. I have bronchitis. I found out yesterday. And so I was like, I can work. I feel pretty good. Then halfway through work, I was like, I feel like trash. I'm going to go sleep. And I slept for like four or five hours. And I wake up and there's 10 text messages. And the first thing Ben says is, Kate messaged you. (laughs) He messaged me. And I was like, oh, did she? He's like, yeah. She sounded panicky. I was like, probably. Because we're in the middle of a pandemic, so the only way I can manage my anxiety is through keeping tabs on everybody in my life by texting. So here we are. Well, if you hear random pauses on my end, it's because I'm muting the mic to cough because, again, bronchitis. But hey, those antibiotics, I've got some good ones. The ones the insurance wouldn't pay for. It cost me $93. Oh, America. Oh, America. So I'm Amy. I'm Kate. And again, welcome once more to just another sex podcast. Woo. So what's going on with you? We all, everybody found out about me. The biggest thing was bronchitis. How's Kate? It's good. Kate has been um, offered a job at my old work, which is mm. exciting. I am 100% always the same. I am a stay at home mom, as, as I said last week. So those are my days. The biggest change today was... Attempting to get Sky off of the nap schedule. So. Oh, so you're because she's three, and so you're trying to stop naps. Yeah, I'm going to tell you a secret. Kim mm-hmm. didn't stop. Did not stop naps. The oldest until literally the week before kindergarten. Oh, well, she starts um, her classes. Well, maybe if we go back to school this fall, she goes. But because I think that that's going to be a plan that I can work towards, she's going to ensure that it doesn't work. <laughs> I you make her sound so maniacal but she really doesn't try to be she's the sweetest little thing with the pterodactyl scream i really don't think her. it's maniacal i think it's just who she is as a person ah oh, mom has this plan therefore i shall rebel against it yeah hi oh. welcome to be your mother <laughs> yeah we're here yep so so this week i'm really excited we we talked about discussing v-sex and we got so much information about just body parts <laughs> that we decided to make a whole body part episode first yes so and some of this is going to seem kind of reiterating and going through it like obviously i know what a penis is but what parts of the penis do people know like i there's a lot of my own vagina and everything that i did not know so that's kind of what we were diving into we felt like you need to know the basics before you should know what a hammer is before you start working with it and hitting nails. So that's kind of what we're doing. And then again, this is all is biological. That a <laughs> My favorite joke. I've told you that joke before. I know I have. What joke? No, tell me. For- okay, ready? Yeah. Ready? Are you ready. ready? I'm ready. Let's play carpenter. First, we get hammered, then I nail you. Psh, psh. 
your favorite joke? That's one of my favorites. Absolutely. <sighs> Isn't that just a pickup line, not a joke? Maybe. <laughs> it could be you both. Say that like it's a, I was going to say, you say that like it's a bad thing. No, all right. I'm not judging at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to be speaking on primarily biological sex. Now I know we are trying to be very inclusive and everything, and it is not biological sex is not a dichotomy. It's just like gender. There are male and female and intersex and every Gradation thing in between. between. Yep. Yes. Yep. Thank you. That's the big girl word. Yeah. And we just want to talk about, I hate using the word, but typical anatomy, but there are a lot of factors that go into everybody's individual bodies, of course. So we want to make sure and um, respect that. But we are just going to kind of talk about the body parts themselves as we generally see them. And then we'll get a little bit into intersex too. Because um, I don't think that that gets talked about. I'm, I almost said enough, but I don't think it gets talked about at all. Not I personally can be honest and say I know nothing about intersex, like very little. It's kind of a, I don't know. I just don't know. Um, okay, do you want to start? You want me to start? I can start. All right, go for it. So, by the way, I was listening like I do every week before we come on here. I was listening to, and that's why we drink because we love <laughs> you, Em and Christine. We love you. And I realized that last week we didn't even um, talk about pronouns. <gasps> we are the woo. Shame so, on us. Obviously, kick us that. off the kick off the internet. We're done. Off. Yeah. Everybody, close up shop. We're done. Yeah. So, I am Kate, and I go by she/her. I am Amy and I am she, her sometimes it by my kids. Depending on the day. Depending on the day. <laughs> yeah. but anyway, so um, to talk about that, I am a cis female. And so I figure we would just start there because one would think that we would be more familiar with our own bodies. But with all of this research, I was like, holy crap, there are a lot of words. I don't know. Even things that my husband was bringing up. Because he's he's a word nerd, so he kept bringing up nerd. like all of these words, and I was like, "Oh my god, I have to put that in." Anyway, so we're here. So, no, wait a minute. You didn't like any of the words that I came up with. They were all made up words, but you didn't like them. That makes me sad. She's just staring Tough at me. Shit. Again. I'm <laughs> sipping. I'm sipping my tea, like just like the Kermit the Frog meme, and I was. So- <laughs> <laughs> she did. She's. <laughs> it's none of my business. And- all right, <laughs> let us start right. with female. Yes. So first to start out with, we want to discuss how many people use the word vagina colloquially, but usually when they're talking about the vagina, they're really describing the vulva. Um, And those are two distinct parts of the female body that are just kind of smushed together. So let's talk about the vulva first. Please. That's on the outside. Um, (laughs) Please. Um, So starting with the vulva, we just want to talk about the clitoris, which where is that where is that well it's at the top of the vulva where the labia minora meet which doesn't that sound sexy (laughs) neck you know what if i was single i swear to god that's exactly like guys you're not hitting it just look for the labia minora and it's obviously there it's right where they meet it's Um, obviously hello (laughs) um it does vary in size of course depending on person to person um the very end of it is covered by the clitoral hood because that's where the majority of the nerve endings are. So without that hood, um, it would be way, 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 way too much stimulation. Um, but the clitoris is not just the little tip that peeks out when a, a person with a vagina is 
stimulated, it actually like descends into the body um, and it goes and it spreads on both sides of the vagina. So it contributes to a lot of those nerve endings. Yes, ma'am. Amy's raising her hand. I have heard, tell me if I'm wrong. I have heard that a clitoris essentially is an inward vagina or an inward penis from when we're developing in the womb and and our body doesn't know what we're doing. And then finally when it hits that whatever weak stage, it's like, ah, yes, X chromosome or XY. Mm -hmm. And it suddenly inverts in. Hence why there's so much more sensitivity and nerve endings. And it's kind of like a gentleman's uh, like head of their, or for, you know, like the, the glands. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they are related in that fact. Um, it's kind of like how the ovaries in a biological female are the testes in a biological male, depending on which hormones you get when, uh, what it turns into. It's really fascinating. Like how, the same tissue turns into these wildly different parts, but I guess they're not wildly different. They're just no one's out, one's in. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, but I love that clitoris is Greek for divine and goddess-like. Hell to the yes, it is. Um, the goddess. <laughs> um, and I and then, like you kind of mentioned, it does extend back into your body on both sides of the vagina. Now, she mentioned, Kate mentioned earlier, like, labia minora. Let's go into the labia or the folds around the vaginal opening. Labia swell when the person is uh, aroused and they are incredibly sensitive, just like the clit. Now, there are two major parts, labia major, majora and labia minora. You can tell we're doctors. The uh, Majora is on the outside or the fleshy and tend to have pubic hair. Labia minora is on the inside It starts at the clit, as Kate mentioned earlier, and then it ends underneath the vaginal opening, which that part I didn't know. And of course, all labia are different, normalizing their differences in our bodies. They can vary in color, sizes, shapes. That's part of having a vagina and a vulva is that it's going to look different to everybody. So don't compare and don't feel bad if yours looks different from your neighbors or whatever. We'll get into it probably later about how I like doing um, embroidery and cross stitch. But I think that my next piece is going to be like different vulvas. Oh, <gasps> that'd be. <laughs> and I, think... I ask because I love it, but then I think about it. I'm like, where are you going to hang that shit? <laughs> I don't. We'll just we'll put it on our Twitter. <laughs> I will take it to my office. I will take that Wonderful. when I go back to the office. Wonderful. Get a little cubicle, and that's what's going up. <laughs> Not pictures of your children. Just an embroidery <laughs> of different sorts of vulvas. Wonderful. So, okay. My favorite thing is I work at a company where they do not call it HR. They call it the people team because HR, quote unquote, when I asked, sounds too aggressive. So, <laughs> so the people so team. weird. Which to me it is. But I just feel like you could say HR. We, it's letters. It's, it's okay. literally. Yeah. It's HR bad. isn't the enemy. We don't have to treat yeah. it that way. Apparently they are. So the people team, and I'm just curious on how the people team would react to cross-stitch labias all over my desk. <laughs> Guys, I can explain. No, 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 it's fine. I'm on a podcast. Yeah, we do talk about BDSM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we are just another sex podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> do you need the link? We, we have got them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So then after the labia, we actually are going to talk about the vagina, which is not what we just, which again, it's not what everybody is picturing. Now, vagina is cool because the Latin word on that is like a sheath or a scabbard, which get it because the penis is get the it. sword that goes into the scabbard. I hate how words come about some days. I hate them so much. This is gross. Okay. Some, like the Greek. Why couldn't it be cool? Like the Greek one for the clit. 
Like Clitoris has mm-hmm. the really cool divine goddess, and Vagina's like sheath. Like, all right. I wonder listen. if it has to do with the fact that the clitoris is really just about pleasure. I don't know. I mean, to ask. Oh no, my stupid kids' medicine alarm went off again. every day. I think that should just be part of our podcast. Is that you? (laughs) It's just expected. (laughs) I was trying to keep an eye on the time too. I'm like, I'm going to stop it because I don't want to turn it off because the other six days of the week I need it. (laughs) So, um, so we have the vagina. No, no, no. no. What did I call it when I was doing the original notes at 11:30 at night? Say it. I hate it. Can I say Say the cute one after that? Yeah, you can say the cute one. Vaginal orifice (laughs) is what Amy put on our notes, and I said, Amy. Exactly that tone. <laughs> Vaginal orifice. And I yep. and that tone was over text message, to be fair. But I think that you could still hear it. We knew. <sighs> and I was like, Amy insisted <laughs> that we keep it in the podcast. And so I had to come up with something cuter because vaginal orifice sounds horrifying. So a really adorable term for the entrance to the vagina is the vulval vestibule. But that's such a word. Like that's very cute, but Man, that's like a chewing on marbles. Vaginal orifice. You know what it is. It is the orifice near the vaginal area. Well, you nope. can have a vaginal orifice and I'll have a vulval vestibule. Done. <laughs> it's all that's about gonna... being individualistic, right? That's going to be such a sexy term to go to our husbands. Like, yeah, don't you want to touch my vaginal orifice? Oh, <laughs> With your ghost penis? <laughs> With your ghost penis. Anyway, okay. So the next thing that we got to talk about is the... Da-da-da-da. I'm in... Which has the most myth and focus on parts of the woman body. But if you ask somebody what a hymen is, they're going to be like, nobody knows. No one. Well, they'll say either they don't know, truly. Or they're going to be like, it's how you tell a woman is a virgin. That's not. That is the biggest goddamn myth ever on the face of humanity. Maybe not the biggest, but it's right up there with like the Kennedy assassination. It's a membrane over the entrance to the vagina. And a lot of people don't really know what the hymen is about and why it's what its purpose is. But there are so many cultures who obsess over it and think that that is the way to tell of a woman has had is a virgin or has had penetrated sex is because the hymen has been torn or opened. That is not the case. Um, it does not always even rupture after you have sex or it can tear easily, such as like doing gymnastics, riding a bike, doing some crazy stretches. It can bust on other things and tear and have damage to it. So everybody calm down. Like, really yeah. All it does is really contribute to this patriarchal version of a woman's virtue that she is somehow used and um, less desirable after her virginity is gone. So I, yeah, just, just chill out about the hymen. It's just a little membrane. That's, that's it. I was actually Googling pictures of it. Cause I didn't think that I'd ever seen one. And I was really surprised. Yeah. By just it it's just a membrane. There it is. And it looks but, like an arch. It looks like it's just like a little kind yeah. of an arch mu- of muscle. Like um uh think of like a balloon arch, but muscly. <laughs> but yeah. a muscle. Well, I've seen some that are completely covered as well. So it's it's totally different depending on the Each vaginal part. orifice. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's catching on. See? No, it's, I hate it. Yeah. It's really not. Can we make a t-shirt out of that? Please. Please, God, I'm never wearing that if you make it. Oh, I'm wearing it. Every day and twice on Sunday, especially when I go see my parents. Um, Okay, next little body part that we're going to figure out, we're going to try to push this along, is the perineum. I don't know why I love that word. I think that's a fun word. 
<laughs> and then and they get ignored a lot. So that's um, the space between the vulva and the anus. Generally, kind of diamond shaped. Oh, you're very technical in your in your notes. Inferior to the pelvic diaphragm. I copied and pasted that. Do not think I am that smart. I copied and pasted that. That was nice right. though. Thanks. Um, most that gets the most injuries though, uh, after or even during childbirth. That's where you're going to hear when a woman see her and a woman tears, it's her perineum that's teared, torn, 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 take two, teared, <laughs> teared. So, and a lot of midwives still to this day, I know for at least my vaginal birth with my oldest, I say my oldest as if I birthed the youngest one, I didn't, but with you my did. vaginal birth in spirit. We do a lot of things in spirit. Ooh, with that child. <laughs> um, but no, during my vaginal birth with my child, they were like, we're going to, we need to cut it. It's going to tear. And I just kind of mm-hmm. looked at the midwife going, well, if it's going to tear, why are you going to cut it? Yeah. Just, they're like, well, it's going to hurt. I was like, I can't feel shit. You guys gave me the greatest epidural on this side of the Mississippi. Like, let me just be at it. And they're like, well, no, it's better for it to be t- to cut. I fought it and like I had to like really get on her of no leave wow. alone tears and tears. And then afterwards, when Kim was all you know wrapped up and good to go, and the do- and then friggin the I had actually because I lived in Texas, God help me. Um, I oh. had a midwife and she said, "Oh, your tear was less than what the cut would have been." Interesting Whoa. that. Mm. Imagine that that's kind of um, how our bodies were designed, but yeah you know so she's like yeah it would have been less if i had if i had cut it it would have been more and i was like yeah that's why i don't want you touching it so my personal advice to anybody who knows they're gonna have a vaginal delivery don't let them cut it if it tears they'll fix it if they cut it they're still gonna do the exact same thing the only difference is the doctor tries to make a cleaner cut and it's usually much longer and the recovery time is much more painful um from what i've heard in my experience as well also don't ever for the love of all that is holy do what they call husband stitch. What they'll do is for those who don't know what the husband stitch is, is after a woman tears during childbirth, the doctor kind of nudges and winks and goes, ah, let me tighten that shit back up for you, husband. And we'll do a couple extra stitches on the perineum. So it's actually smaller than it was before the childbirth, which can be incredibly painful and destroy women's vaginal orifices and is basically considered genital mutilation in my, in my world. It's absolutely painful. It's super traumatic. The woman usually does not get any kind of say because, you know, they're tired from having a baby and they don't really and get much. The doctor just assumes that she wants it because she wants to please her husband or her partner or what have you. Mm-hmm. And there's no medical purpose for it at all. No. And, it, and if anything, it does the exact counter opposite of it. If you get the husband stitch, it's more, it makes things super uncomfortable and it ends up will cause more tearing and more damage later on. Um, not only just physically, but like emotionally. And I just, I, I, I hate it. I hate the idea of it. I locked out and the midwife was not thinking that status. But afterwards I heard of a couple people um, when I worked back at the Mart that is blue with walls on it, that um, they, they had it and it was absolute goddamn nightmarish. And it yeah. just, I'm, I'm horrified. Like I had a C-section birth. So the thought of that even happening I mean, realizing I was still in labor and delivery, but that was never even a conversation. So I just kind of assumed that that wasn't there until you and I started talking mm-hmm. and you were like, oh no, that's very much still a practice. And yeah. Welcome to 2020 guys. Yay. Oh, God. 
So, like I said, so we kind of talked about tearing on the peri- perineum a little bit. Tearing can affect the muscles beneath it, so that can and and uh, lead to like painful sex, bathroom issues. So if you're gl- <laughs> hi, welcome to my world where if I cough or laugh, I can accidentally pee my pants. That's right, Same. I'm punishment for enjoyment or trying to clear out my lungs like I am now. So when you have somebody like bronchitis, I don't know, just as a random example, who has to cough to get the shit out, guess what's happening? A lot of bathroom turns. You can even technically have anal sphincter issues, possibly, which I don't even want to explore. Well, I mean, we should. We should. It just sounds Uh, painful when you say anal sphincter. I don't know why. To me, that sounds more painful and ouchy if you go medical on it. I don't think so. I think it's probably all the same. Because, I mean, compared to having your vagina torn open again for the first time having sex after vaginal birth. I I can't imagine that it's a whole lot more painful than that, but I haven't experienced it. So, so then our next spot, which is the spot that I swear exists and you know it, you love it. It's the G spot. Can you pronounce that? Cause I can't. What it actually spot? What is it? Graffenberg spot. Graf and Berg. Graffenberg. Wow. Okay. That was so much easier for you than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. So that's our erogenous zone located on the front wall of the vagina. So if you are picturing having your fingers inside of a vagina, you use those two fingers for a come here, come hither sort of motion. Yeah, you do. You will hit right on that spot for anybody who might think or might be confused about whether or not that exists really like you can literally feel it. The tissue is spongier. It's there. And if you want to make a woman's eyes shoot across the room, then that's the one. That's the good mm-hmm. one. <laughs> it's a, and it's really, really great spot if you hit that properly and just... Properly. Yes, that's important. But, and, and a lot of... I don't know why there's that big rumor that G-spots don't exist or not a thing. Like, I don't get the point of that. There's also another thing is that your G-spot actually pushes against your bladder. So if you have an incredibly full bladder, sometimes you can kind of feel a little turned on. That's why. It's because it's rubbing against your G-spot. So you're just like, I have to pee, but I kind of want to bone you, but I have to pee. <laughs> it's kind of a nice feeling, yeah. And the interesting thing is if you look at the um, diagram of vaginal vulval anatomy, the G-spot is located basically on the other side of the clitoris. Mm-hmm. So those two are very much related. So if you want to take turns having fun with those two, I mean, we can call them sisters. They are sisters. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, God. And they work really well together. They do. Heads up. They do. Okay. So we're going to do a quick overview of procreative organs. We feel like that's something that is important. While you may not use that in your bedroom play, sometimes people do. Some people do. (laughs) Your face lit up like a Christmas tree. Um, However, if you are kind of like myself and my husband and you are actively trying to never while you are in the habit of practicing for a child, you are never going to have another. It's still important to know what the biological aspects are. So that way for your own health and safety for each person that has these particular organs. So we just kind of want to go over them super quick. The first thing, again, this is still all in the female body. um, Typical. We understand same disclaimer that it's not always the same. Everybody's different. First one we're going to cover is the cervix. The position of your cervix can absolutely vary from person to person. And even through the menstrual cycle, it can shift, which is kind of creepy in my mind. I just imagine it's weird to me. I could just see it just do, 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 just wiggling it around up in there. Did you know that, and this is more about uterus, but back in the old times, if, if women were 
mm, how could we say this? Not um, go for it all out. Not obeying their husbands. We could ah. blame that on a wandering uterus. What? <laughs> no. Yes. yes. <laughs> and they used either sweet smells to draw the uterus down or bad smells to push the uterus back up. And then allegedly that would help a woman behave better. I want to know what smells are considered cervix lifting or dropping. Like, ah, candy, come on down. <laughs> yeah, they would use like floral for like a sweet or like a like a sharp garlic onion to make I it wander. I really want to talk to an old timey doctor and be like, listen, I need to understand the logic behind an organ moving and helping a woman li- behave. Quote unquote, behave. Yeah. Okay. How am I supposed to continue after that? I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do they, wait, is it kind of like a hover over the cervix thing or is it like inserted the smells in there? Do you know? Insert. Do you remember? Oh, <gasps> seriously? Yeah. People. Okay. Disclaimer in case we haven't covered the shit. Stop putting random weird things up your cervix and your uterus and your vagina and like, stop it. Like even there's if certain a, things. Even can- if a pretty blonde actress tells you to do it. Don't. You know, I don't have any flowers. I think I've got bacon downstairs. I wonder what that does. Ooh. Oof. That would draw it out for sure. <laughs> it just Everybody right likes bacon. Everybody likes bacon. Ha you got bacon. Oh, and we just lost two of our followers. You're welcome on that statement alone. I'm sorry. We did. <laughs> um. Okay, so the hormones can cause cervix to produce mucus. So people who have uteruses and cervixes, when you if you notice that you have like a discharge... That's what it is. That's primarily what it is. It's going to be your cervix mucus. It will change in consistency and coloring throughout your cycle. There's also includes vaginal lubrication, arousal fluid, even a couple day old sperm if you're have just recently had sex. And it's very interesting that that mucus gets really thick when you are um, ovulating. Yeah, the tracking um, gives you a better indication of what your hormonal what your body is going through hormonally. So a lot of women can use it to better track of when they're going to be able to ovulate or when they're going to have their cycle. So or when something's little- wrong too. Yeah. You, you can really use it like for infections. Like you notice that there's a different color, or a different smell, which um, I feel like different people case. are super, yeah, super embarrassed to talk about, but I mean, it's just your vagina communicating with you. It's just the same way that your body would send pain if you broke your arm. Mm-hmm. It's your body trying to say, hey, you know, something's not really cool down here in the vaginal orifice. So uh, it's a good it's a good way to be self-aware. We are trying to be very woke and self-aware when it comes to social and political issues. Let's also be self-aware of our own bodies. We're the ones walking around with them. True. Last I checked. <laughs> so if we go a little bit further up. We go to the uterus, which is also known as the womb. Baby um, maker! Yes. It's hollow when there's no baby in it, um, which is held in place by the broad ligament. And it's kind of an inverted pear shape, although that, that can be different from, from person to person. Um, it does have three layers. I think the most important layer to talk about is the, the innermost. Um, and that thickens each month. Endometrium. That's the big kid word. Just heads up. Endom- what did I say? Nothing. Oh, okay. You just said inner Endom- layer. <laughs> oh, Endom- I didn't. I meant to yeah. say it. Thank you. The inner layer or the endometrium. Mm-hmm. And that's what thickens and sheds on the months that you have a cycle. I'm going to say that I don't have a monthly cycle because my body hates me. Um, so every three or four months, that's that's what happens to me. <laughs> which sounds honestly really cool, but it's terrible. 
Um, there's two other layers to the myometrium and par- uh, parametrium. One is just the middle muscle layer, and the other one is the thin one that um, just basically prevents friction by the muscle movement. So not as important as the endometrium. Well, I mean, it is because you have it. Um, two more body parts, and then we'll move on to the mills. Next thing is fallopian tubes. For those who don't know, those are the two little tubes that are actually a few inches long, and they're lined with mucus. They transport the eggs from the ovaries to the uterus. Eggs are kind of important to make those babies. What? What's that word? The fimbriae. Oh, I didn't know Yeah, that. they're the little brushes that sweep the egg into the fallopian tubes and help them move. Oh my god, I thought they just like dropped down. Like, There's like little fingers and it just helps them right along. And coming from the ovaries or, as Amy likes to call them. The human egg cartons. <laughs> and that's, that's where eggs are. are stored. Um, and generally one egg a month gets released for potential fertilization during puberty and then that stops around menopause is it true i should have looked this up do you know that women are born with like all of the eggs that they'll have throughout their life yes that's fascinating and you know it's really crazy so when you were pregnant when sky and mm-hmm. sky eventually formed far enough along to where she was female inside you she has all of the eggs in her so you are technically mm-hmm. carrying your grandchildren in theory while you what? were still pregnant with her yes True story. That's amazing. All the eggs are developed before um, the, your, the female baby is even born. So at one point, we were carrying our grandkids around. That's kind of wistful. I like yeah. that. Um, that's cool, right? Yeah, that's rad. Okay, I'm glad I asked you. Okay. Um, but also ovaries, just to kind of finish out with um, female anatomy they are responsible for hormones in the body they regulate estrogen progesterone testosterone all of the things that my body doesn't create properly (laughs) what is the difference between estrogen and progesterone because i actually don't know genuinely i don't know let's look that up elevator music Kate, I see you staring steadily at the screen. I feel like we should have gotten that answer ahead of time. So estrogen is secreted by the ovaries prior to ovulation, and progesterone is secreted by the ovaries after ovulation. Huh. See, we're learning along with you guys. Hey, I'm so glad we looked that up. Okay. Estrogen refers to a steroid hormone that is important in the reproductive development in females, and progesterone refers to a steroid hormone that prepares the uterus for pregnancy. No, I kind of want to point that out. We're learning, too, with you. Like, this is part of the reason we also wanted to do it, because even we were like, what What does this part do? So we want to try to get that in there. And I want to put this just myself on blast when I was looking at males. You know, like the old joke, and, and I suppose it's like the inverse of the joke about women, like, oh, where's the clit? I can't find it. When I was researching male parts, I was like, holy crap, I didn't realize all of these parts that went into making like semen. I didn't realize all of these parts that lead into this. So I needed to learn, obviously. Time to learn, bitches. We're going to talk about males. Once again, same disclaimer. Males are all different. Everybody is different. Everybody is unique. Everybody is fine. This is what we would call, quote, unquote, atypical male body parts that we're going to focus on next main body part of the male that we know about it's called the penis there are it's three layers of spongy tissues that fill with blood when you get aroused this can cause the penis to become erect or harden bless (laughs) usually elongates when aroused and hard but it doesn't always happen now i want to make this clear every penis is different and every penis is really 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 good unless it's an unwashed penis that's like my line yeah, any unwashed penis or unwashed vulva, we're not a fan of. Yeah. No, thank you. But everything else is great. 
Yes. So we can start at the top with the glands. We kind of already talked about that. That's the head of the penis. So it's the basically equivalent of the clitoris in a female. And that's uh, the top where the opening of the urethra is. It's very sensitive and it's covered with a moist tissue called the mucosa. The way penises are designed to be, the foreskin is supposed to be there, which keeps that area very moist and sensitive. So when a man is circumcised, that tissue becomes damaged and it dries out. Boo. How, how many uncircumcised guys have you ever been with? I think a third of the people I've been with. Really? Yeah. And I prefer them uncircumcised. You know, I kind of have to say, like, I think the numbers are about the same. Because my first husband was the first person I ever slept with. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uncircumcised. And I didn't understand that, of course. It's stupid 18 with very minimal sex health education. Yeah. So then the next person I had sex with a few years after we separated was uncircumcised. So I was like, oh, my God. Ah! <laughs> like, what is this thing? I've never <laughs> seen this before. What is happening? Oh. Like, I legitimately oh, like, no. got to stop. Yeah. Uh, what's wrong with your dick, buddy? And he's like, what? And he had like, well, thank God. He, he has no it. personality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You just made me cough a whole bunch. Um, Sorry. He was very kind and explained. He's like, I'm uncircumcised. And I was like, no, like there's a thing. And there's like a little head and it's like a present. And like, ta-da. And he's like, oh. <laughs> it is like a present. It is like a Exactly present. right. It took me forever to figure out how to give good head without... Un- for circumcised men because a a foreskin. the yeah. technique was using the foreskin. So then learning afterwards, I thought was always a bit of a challenge. And I've noticed with men who are uncircumcised, they're a lot more sensitive. Weird yes! because their skin isn't damaged from being cut off as a baby. I have very strong opinions about circumcision. And I think we're going to talk about that in an episode. So hi- circumcision is ridiculous for both men and women. Just my opinion. There it is. Um, oh, no, I, I agree. There's literally no point for it whatsoever. I, I found a statistic that said that 75% of men in the United States are circumcised, according to the World Health Organization. Organization, And the average in most of the rest of the world, aside from like predominantly Muslim or Jewish countries, is about 30%. So we that's crazy. Way, way higher. Way higher. Wow. Yeah. We're just mutilating little boys' genitals. Has anybody looked at America recently in the last like 10 years and been like surprised by this statistic? Just in general, how society run and yeah. Anyway, moving on. Okay, what's next? Uh, frenulum. I love the frenulum. And so it's a thin strip of skin on the underside of the penis, like right underneath the urethral opening. Well, typically where the u- urethral opening is. Um, it's super duper sensitive. And then if we move a little further... I suppose south. We have the corpus cavernosum and the corpus spongiosum. The the caverns that fill up with blood along the shaft. So um, the corpus cavernosum fills with blood along the shaft, which hardens the penis. And then the corpus spongiosum runs along the, the side closest to the body. So on the side with the urethral opening. Um, and that fills with blood to keep the urethra open to accommodate ejaculation. That's kind of dope. So interesting. Yeah. Next thing we're going to move on is scrotum. Uh, it's very sensitive skin. That's what holds the testes. Um, it keeps them also at a very specific temperature. So the tes- testes are effectively producing sperm. Um, so that's why it's really not recommended for gentlemen who are at a younger age to like chill in a hot tub for a very long time or have a laptop sit in your lap if you're trying to uh, conceive a baby is because if it gets too, there's a reason it's hanging away from the body is it needs to be a little cooler than the rest of your body. So if you're trying to procreate, if you're trying to have a crotch goblin, you need to keep your testes away from 
<laughs> what? I Testies or crotch goblin? Crotch goblin. I have two of them. That's what they are. Five <laughs> children. If you're having, if you're trying to procreate children, then keep your testes cooler. Don't put a laptop on on your lap um, without some sort of a cover in between. Don't chill in a hot tub for very long. Super hot baths and showers are not recommended either. Um, now each testicle produces 150 million sperm every 24 hours. It's incredible. That's gross. Inc- I don't know. I have That's to good. talk about how much I love the scrotum. I, I have an unabashed love for scrotums. Scrotesians. Scroatia. Squirrel? It's not a country. <laughs> because they're always moving. Like, if you notice them, they're just like, they're always adjusting depending on temperature. I think they're fascinating. Okay, so when sperm are produced, they go into a holding area called the epididymis. Epididymis. Bless you. Uh, epididymis. <laughs> This is the part you were excited about in terms of what actually semen is. Yes, it's so interesting. So it has so many different fluids. So it has sperm, of course, which are the little wiggly guys that that will fertilize the egg. The vas deferens are ducts leading from the epididymis to the seminal vesicles. Those are the things that are cut during a vasectomy. Vas deferens, ectomy means to cut. Anyway, um, so semen is made in the seminal vesicles themselves and the semen itself protects the sperm after ejaculation Um, and the prostate also releases a fluid in addition to closing off the urethra to be sure that the ph balance stays correct and then you also have cooper's glands which are spelled cowper's which is interesting Um, (laughs) yeah Um, and that releases a pre-ejaculate fluid to neutralize the acidity in the urethra prior to orgasm to also aid that ph balance to make sure that that's ideal for sperm Wow, I literally just thought it was the little swimmer dudes. Like, I didn't right. understand there was so much. I didn't realize I was swallowing. Your bodies so are complicated. Yeah. That's crazy. Anyways, I was really, that was the part of my research that I was most excited about. Like, I all had a these boss different. called Cooper, so now I feel really weird about that. You had a what? A boss named Cooper, my last job oh. member. The guy I told you that had the, the giant beard. We used to call him Gandalf. Yeah. He had this massive beard. That was his name, was Cooper. Was it spelled Cowper? No, it was not. Oh, it was spelled okay. with two O's, not with a W. Uh, but, yeah. That's Wonderful. fascinating. That it's so much, it's it figured out, I guess. Some of Jeff Goldblum quote, life finds a way. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And and we always tease about, oh, men are so simple. They just have one little button you push. And it's like, no, they're they're super complicated. And we, we oversimplify them. Um, Maybe give them that credit. Yeah, absolutely. So those, those are the... The majority of the, the the parts that we wanted to talk about, there's obviously a lot more erogenous zones like being nipples, breasts, armpits, earlobes, all of that stuff that can lead to sex. But we just wanted to talk about like a very brief overview of the function of these parts. Um, I'm sorry, armpits? Yeah. No. Yes. That's like the one part of my body I absolutely despise. You've got to oh my make God, it. I love them. What? Yeah. But it's all. Okay. We're, we got like a, we could we could dive how quick can we dive into this or is this like a bigger topic i don't think it, i think it just i really enjoy in everything aside from just sex i just really like smells so i like the that pheromone musky scent so oh i think smelling, that like you play with the oh, I, arm or like oh totally i play with them too oh my god <laughs> yeah smells i get the smell thing i absolutely get i thought you meant in terms of yeah, if you tickle my penis in there, it's going to turn me on or some weird shit like that. 
I say weird no, shit. I all lovingly. You're so judging. No, I I a do a lot bit. of like <laughs> armpit play just because I think it's so sensitive. Like Papa likes that that um no. the scratchy feelings. I tease Ben that I want to braid his armpit hair. That's about as close as I get. <laughs> you should one day. See if you can get it to be as long as like a dwarf beard. He gets really upset and says no. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Wait till he's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next. The one that we I need to learn about the most personally is intersex. Ooh. We want to talk about how all bodies are different. And some of um, have the characteristics of being intersex. And um, you might not even realize. It can be more obvious in the, the form of ambiguous genitalia. Um, but there are lots of ways it presents. It can include uh, micropenis partial labial fusion, delayed or absent puberty, hypospadia. Uh, hypospadia is basically like where the penis is partially or completely open along the midline. Um, it can even just mean if, if the urethral opening is in um, an atypical spot, so it could be lower on the shaft or, or what have you. Some intersex people have growing masses that turn out to be, you know, ovaries or testes. Tell them about the Quigley scale. Quigley scale. So um, that's what we use to describe genital development. And it's a scale from one to six or seven, depending on, on who's using it, that ranges from, quote, fully masculinized to fully feminized and everything in between. So that's how the medical word kind of um, defines that ambiguous genitalia, whether or not you are anywhere from a one to a seven. We could take up a whole day on anatomy Probably. and atypicality of anatomy. It's super interesting. If, if you ever want to see a picture of the Quigley scale, it has everything from penis to vulva and vagina and everything in between. So, Which is really interesting because I didn't realize it was rated on a scale. So like a three or a four even would be almost as if, okay, you've got the testes, but maybe not a shaft or the penis part of it. Or mm -hmm. if you're a two or like a three, I guess, would even be considered like micro penis level. Right. And then if you go to the four, that could be more like an enlarged clitoris. In short, we just want to talk about how everybody's bodies are different and everybody's bodies are okay. Just because your body looks a slightly different way or if it looks, I, I use the example of, you know, we, we talked about in the first episode how people judge porn stars as examples of what bodies should look like, including uh, penises and vulvas. And no. That's not it. That is one industry standard and people have surgery in order to make themselves look that way. So however you are is fine and good and beautiful and okay. As long as you're healthy. Yes. And happy. Pr primarily happy. Primarily happy. Let's be um, happy with our own individual beauties. That's kind of gross, right? That's a hard one. Look, even for us, that is especially but, for us. But it is goals. That's it where we should be heading. Yeah. Can I do the sex facts this week? absolutely you yes. absolutely so we're gonna do so random so we didn't know how to quite end the show beyond goodbye and we love hearing the sound of our own voices just kidding we don't so we wanted to do sex facts so this is kate's sex facts for the week and next week i will pick up i will find some are you going to oh i'm excited i'll, I'll look them up oh i'll look Excellent. at that i already have well i have one if you want me to share now i've got one on top of my head that's like my favorite it's not really a You're sex not fact but it is a body part fact well, this one's more of a body part and, and social norm fact, so do whatever you want. Harry Styles has four nipples. Is that real? I, I swear to God it's real. Go Google it. He will absolutely talk about it in an interview. He's got some sort of a, I don't know what exactly it's called. 
I can Google it and find out later, or somebody can tweet it to me later or Instagram it to us, but it's an actual genetic mutation where you can get technically nipples developed in your whole body, all the way up from your shoulders, down your chest cavity, all the way down into like your lower, lower groin area. You can get as many as like six to 10. I don't know what exactly it's called, but Harry Styles has that. So he has two normal nipples in the normal spots and then two that are slightly lower on his abs, mm-hmm. but they're like fully formed nipples. That's cool. It is super cool. I, I love all of the individual things about bodies. Like the people yeah. that, like the things that people are really embarrassed about are typically my favorite things about their bodies. Well, no, it's and, funny in the interview. He's like, I'll totally show you. And the interviewer was like, no, we're good. And now, oh my God. I would have asked him in a I would have been like, please. please. <laughs> Give me your sex okay. facts. My sex facts are about pubic hair because pubic <laughs> hair is natural and normal and it it's is. okay. So I, I was trying to um, research it a little bit, but scientists aren't really sure about why we have it. Um, it's kind of the sim- it's kind of similar to not being sure why we have armpit hair. Um, but they theorize that it's to trap the secretions that contain pheromones. So in a time that is very unlike today, um, pubic hair used to be kept as a souvenir in the 18th and 19th centuries. Some aristocratic men, including King George IV, would Shut keep up. pubic hairs of their lovers as a trophy. So Ugh. like legit at St. Andrews University in Scotland, um, the museum there has a snuff box that's packed with the pubes of a mistress of King George the Fourth. <laughs> Do they know which one? Yes. They theorize oh. as to which one that w- that is. Yeah. They used to put um, pubic hairs in their hats and the brims oh to show how virile they were. Look, I got lucky. Look at my pubes. Yeah. That's such a weird trope. Wild. That is a weird god damn and i thought having like a nasty dick pic was bad but like i could not imagine walking around with a necklace full of pubic hair like i or get in your hat i no, I tip, that's so weird i tip my hat to you madam <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i want to know who's like oh my god he, he, can you imagine like oh my god george totally invited me off to the ball and i'm just gonna snip some of my pubic hair no big nbd like, and i'll put it in a snuff box for him <laughs> so he can theoretically snuff it because what snuff, else would you do with it i don't that's my question what do you like i get okay you put it in a necklace you put it in your hat but like then what <laughs> exactly what if you don't like that person anymore like you have to remove the pubic hair what if, if it's, it's like, like a, a witch ceremony you have to burn it to like sever your your <laughs> can you imagine being relationship that servant? like uh i am no longer satisfied with this mistress uh Paul, my servants, clean off my hat of the pubic hair and quick install some new ones of Lady Maria. <laughs> Can you imagine? And like how anymore? devastating that is. He doesn't oh. like my pubes anymore. Those are so not mine. Are you sure they look? Those are red. I am not a redhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yes, we we go. should. I almost want to start the show with that because, oh my God. It's kind of wonderful. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. If I have dreams, though, about pubic hair necklaces and hats, I'm calling you in the dead of night. You're welcome. I'll be right there with you. I'll astral project into your dream. Please don't. <laughs> okay, so that in case anybody wants, uh, has any questions, any other suggestions on where they can display their pubic hair from their lovers? If you want to share some stories, you have questions, you are happy, not happy. Um, you can always reach us on Instagram at just another sex podcast, Twitter at J a sex podcast. Our email is just another sex podcast at gmail.com. We are on Apple stitcher, Google and Spotify as of now. 
Um, we you. were going to be posting every Friday, but then we decided to like try to edit things. And so that's not happening. It's probably going to be every Sunday. And that's that. I'm Amy. I'm Kate. And this is just, just another, another sex, sex podcast. podcast. Oh my God, we did it. That is amazing. <laughs>